from an internal perspective, it's growth. The personal growth makes every aspect of my life better with every step forward I take. And so that I can't think of anything that's more meaningful because then I have more capacity for other people. I have more forgiveness. I have more fun. I have more generosity. I have more space. Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. One of the things I have loved most in my 25-year recruiting career has always been the stories that people tell. Stories of leadership, career choices, company ideas, and team building. My inspiration for starting the What Fuels You podcast came from being curious about people's lives and wanting to help share their stories. What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. Today's guest on the What Fuels You podcast is Anna Gudmanson. Anna has been a senior tech business leader in the international high growth scene for 15 plus years. Her present day focus is on transformational technologies, which impact the world in a significant positive way, while also having a strong commercial viability. As CEO of Sensate, a consumer stress management technology company, she is tackling one of the biggest challenges of our time, stress and mental health. Apart from a passion for technology business, Anna has a huge curiosity for personal growth and the human potential, both in what she produces and how she leads. Anna leads Sensate to mobilize cutting-edge science and technology informed by wisdom drawn from old traditions and practices to bring greater calm and consciousness to our current overstressed world. Anna, so good to see you. I'm going to hit you with some rapid fire. Thanks for being here. You get hit with the hard stuff first. All right. Thanks. <laughs> okay, cool. What I know that you, you're, do you sing a little bit? Sorry, you, what was that? Do you sing? I have, for some reason, oh, so like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> you're like, rat row, here we go. Um, okay. Well, I sing in the car, maybe. I okay. did actually sing in a choir for I saw uh, 20 years. Yeah. From seven to 27. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So my first rapid fire question is what's your karaoke song? Okay, so I don't actually particularly like karaoke, but um, I have to admit, I did sing in the car yesterday, karaoke style, and I did sing Oh Darling by the Beatles. Oh, great. The yeah, Beatles. because you can kind of sing really loud you, to that one, and yeah, that was the energy I needed. And I know that you're a world traveler and have lived all over, so I'm curious, what's your favorite city? Favorite city? Well, I did sp spend 16 years of my life in London and I think when you're young and early career and meeting people from all over the world it is an amazing city um so every part has its different stage I'm really really happy in Los Angeles right now but you know I'm living with my boyfriend he's two teenagers and a dog and it's a very different lifestyle uh, but I think London is a very dynamic and very exciting city I love London too is there an app that you cannot live without an app I cannot live without. Oh gosh, it would have to be my calendar. <laughs> um, what else? I have various meditation apps uh, that I use quite frequently. But um, yeah, I, I I live by my calendar, and I'm an absolute calendar wizard. Uh, managing time zones, managing um, how I set up the days and everything. Yeah. What are three words that your friends would use to describe you? Wow. Um, I'm probably energetic. Um, 
maybe driven and I have to say a few friends had said I'm a bit alien so you know I might have to throw that in there as well <laughs> what makes you alien that's not the rapid fire part but now I'm curious <laughs> um I don't think I mean like I, this, this is a common thing I think a lot of entrepreneurs in general feel like they didn't really fit in that there's something kind of different about you and um thinking different about things I think there's also an aspect of me which is really into mathematics quantum physics multidimensionality as a very natural uh, way of perceiving the world which actually interestingly ties into sensate because obviously we're working with with uh, energy and frequency which you know is the universe also understood by Tesla and Einstein and so on for a long time but we don't really got there yet on that sort of mass level um I don't know uh I think uh those might be some aspects but I'm a little oh, puzzled funny. myself there are actually like the, how many times they sort of uh like uh, oh I know it's an alien but I, more meaning like she's like different in some way yeah oh that's good are you an introvert or an extrovert I actually am very 50-50. So, um, and and sort of that is by the definition, like what generates energy for you. So I do need my my internal time. I find a lot of energy and grounding and intelligence from, from deep, quiet time and meditation. But I also love being around people who are alive. Uh, you know, just being out where people are laughing and having a good time and dancing. It's just like I really soak up that energy. Um, and I love people. Yeah. I'm the same way. And what are you most thankful for? I'm asking you this, like, as Thanksgiving is approaching. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I um, I actually do three things I'm grateful for every day. Uh, it's hard to... I'm grateful for... Um, okay, I'll say one thing. Uh, I am grateful for having found and chosen when I was younger to grow and evolve. Because uh, life is just better every day from um working on myself from investing in myself uh, so that whole aspect and for me it's like I, I have a message to the world with this neuroplasticity is it, neuroplasticity is real like I had I I wasn't born the way I am today at all it's it's uh I, I got here I had insecurities I procrastinated I had all sorts of other issues which now I'm a completely different person I would don't think I would have recognized myself and that's all based on like almost like this because uh, I was also a software engineer once upon a time uh, and so it's code I'm like oh I got a bug here like this 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 is an inefficient part of my code like how do I fix this and it's all fixable it, it's really quite fascinating I think there is something that is our true essence but in parts of in terms of anything any pattern we have in our lives that are not helpful that's just back in the code and it's totally reprogrammable so I think I'm most grateful for that because it really makes my life constantly better I love that. You know that I've never asked that question on the podcast, um, but I was just in that mindset because of Thanksgiving. And I'm curious about your gratitude practice. So do you write it down or do you just say it out loud or where do you track your gratitude? I write it down. So um, I have a process where I wake up in the morning. I do a little bit of breath work. And it's quite short. And then I write down three things I'm grateful for. And my intention for the day and um and also then I either do a little bit of journaling depending on how early morning calls I have um or I just uh, look at what are the most important things I need to get done today and that's more sort of work related but sometimes it's it's literally I have to get my ass to the gym today um if you know the day before has not manifested in that way so um so yeah it's part of my morning routine yeah. Okay. So you're sounding like too good to be true. So this question is perfect now. What is the habit? <laughs> what is the habit that you're trying to 
break? Um, okay, so first of all, routine is really difficult for me. Um, I, ha I have a definitely a very strong innate driver towards di diversity. I am extremely curious and an explorer. So I've lived in many countries. I travel around the world on my own. And so routine is actually not very natural to me. So in general, I struggle to, to keep routines. And even with what I'm saying that I'm doing every day, I, I skip it quite often. I do get back to it, which for me is good enough. Um, but um, but in, in, in general, for example, right now, one of my worst things is I sit for way too many hours in a row. And having, you know, being a product is used by many longevity people. And so I'm acutely aware that a sitting still for hours on end is, is really bad for longevity. It also reduces the oxygen to the brain. Um, and, and that like, I need to break that habit. I need to get out yeah. and just do a, a few stretches or a, a few jumping jacks or, you know, whatever it is, it's not, it's not really hard. And one I would love to do is uh, dance on my own for one tune. I think that is a practice that, uh, provides extreme amount of longevity, actually, that it's proven that with music and dancing, um, it's one of the best practices. So it's not just, and it also from a creativity perspective and, and the brain, um, I think uh, we need to take that seriously. There's more than enough evidence. Plus, it's fun. Um, but that's. I was that's... gonna say maybe we should like walk and talk. Although I have questions in front of me, <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would remember them though. I just want to get to know you better because I love talking to uh, leaders in general, especially female leaders. And I also love the product. I'm really into wellness. I have a lot of things I follow and listen to. Of course, if you actually like do them, is a whole other part of it. Half of it is just doing them. Um, so I love it. Where did you learn all this from? Like, you know, you said kind of, I was here and I believe that I've kind of grown and evolved over time. Um, let's start from the beginning. So where are you from? And, um, tell me about your family and kind of story of origin. Right. Yeah. So I was born in the North of Sweden. Um, my parents are actually more in the arts. My dad is a musician and a professional photographer and, uh, I've uh, been reasonably well recognized for his work there and my mother is an actor and has also never been without work her entire career I mean the stage so I grew up with writers and singers and directors and, and actors and I think that scene is very very different in Sweden to Los Angeles yes and here it's a lot of you go big if you're working at, on stage in the north of Sweden, it's because you love your job. You love what you're doing. You love getting up in front of people every night. So I think um, the it was not a toxic environment at all. It was people who were really living their soul dream and loved what they did. So I did see people who were really uh, living their passions, I think, growing up. Um, I also spent an extended time in Africa as a child with my mother. It was a very forming um, experience. I had the opportunity to stay for extended times in a village on the countryside in Africa and really experience what almost like the origins of human life was about, where um, there was no crime, first of all. Um, everyone is looked after. Um, there is no excluded exclusion, bullying, like any of those things. There's a sense of village, a um, lot of clapping, drum, drumming, dancing, which obviously is extremely good for the nervous system. Uh, we're now learning the science behind all of this. And um, um, and also just um, the experience of uh, being in such a different environment and knowing from the core of my bones that we all the same. 
you know, it's not an intellectual view on race. It's an experienced knowing that we are all the same because I was five years old and I played with the other five-year-olds and that was it. So I think I'm very grateful for that experience it really expanded my, my views and my understandings, but also just a, a sense of, of belonging with everyone. We're, we're really all the same. So um, that's what's that message is so, so important right now. It, I mean, in the world is just so uh, fractured yes. and yeah, it's terribly sad and depressing. And I yeah. love that message. So outside of your parents who sound like they were, um, you know, extremely influential and formidable in your upbringing, did you have teachers or mentors or people who were kind of um, cheering you on? So I have actually not been blessed with that many mentors in my life. And I, I have to ask, I mean, like even my parents and, and people around, like, where does this come from? Because I definitely had some internal drive. And uh, I, they, I bought the first computer to the family uh, when I was in school. Uh, they auctioned, uh, you know, uh, old computers from the university in the city where I grew up and I, I went and bought a, a computer. So I was always very interested in technology and always what's new and happening so I, throughout my life now I can see a thread that I was always drawn to exploring new macro trends and um, and that definitely is a thread and I, I went on to then study uh, maths and physics and computer science and a lot of those things as well as um, um, business and organization uh, but that that definitely that exploration and interest I've just always had and as some kind of natural attraction to math and technology and I think also growing up in the north of Sweden I didn't feel like I can't do that because I am a girl so I, I feel very grateful for that as well that you know there weren't <laughs> too strong uh, gender roles implied on me and that I had the uh, the freedom to kind of just pursue what I wanted but I think there are still external um Values, for example, I was also uh, very talented in music and art. Um, and for me, I think I kind of stopped doing all those things. I stopped <laughs> playing all the instruments and everything because I, I didn't see it was valuable for my career. And obviously now I, uh, you know, I wish I would have continued playing some of the instruments and have that because it gives so much joy. And again, it, it is actually good for your health. It's good for 100%. a lot of different, yeah. Well, you're dancing, you're listening to music and dancing. So that's good. You're getting... You're getting, you're scratching that itch in that way, but I get it. I totally agree. Like, why did we quit? No, I didn't play a lot of instruments, but I think all of us took music lessons of some sort at some point. That's great. So tell me, um, you know, you grew up there and as you said, a small town, are you still in touch with your friends from growing up? And I guess when they see your life, are they like, oh yeah, of course that's what she's doing. Or is that a, a surprise? What would they have thought you would have been doing? Yeah, so I'm in touch with a few, mainly from high school, and actually quite a bit. Like we, we there's a we have a a, a group on Signal, and it's pretty active. So uh, we, I'm still with just a few of the really really good friends, and um, also blessed to have had really good boys, um, sort of friends, male and female friends. So really good buddies from that time. I think that they are not particularly surprised. Um, they're definitely not surprised that I moved abroad and that I'm doing something uh, more challenging and brave and didn't just go into a sort of nine to five. I think no one's surprised about that. I think um, 
there there were some people that thought that I would be a politician um, or some kind of famous for something. So those are kind of things that, you know, I remember people saying when I was at was high school, which at that point I had no idea. I had like didn't even consider it. I was just what's what's the one next thing? And that was uh, learning French in French. French in France, which I did right after high school. Uh, so um, I think probably not super surprised. Yeah. And where did you end up attending college and what did you end up studying? I'm always curious um, how people make those decisions. It feels like such a big mm. choice. Yeah. I, yeah. It's interesting. Um, I So first of all, right after high school, the one subject I sucked at at high school was French. Sound like, damn it, I spent all this time, I'm going to learn French. So it's very common in Sweden. It's, I think, more common than not that people take a gap year after high school before they go to university. Some people just travel, some people go and work, like just pick apples in Australia or like random things, but just to get some life experience before you start uh, university. I, I chose to go to Dijon in the Bourgogne. Uh, and uh, studied French. So I studied French the first semester and studied in French the second semester. So um, learned uh, learned French there. And um, then uh, then I sort of did more of the um, IT and then I actually got a master's degree in science, science of IT engineering. And so that was in the 90s um, that I started. And it was a very exploding industry at that time. And again, going back to my thread and even the 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 master's degree in science of IT engineering was only I think two or three years old uh, before yeah. that you did have computer science but um, yeah and I think there, there are two aspects it was definitely partly passion driven uh, I, I do love those subjects but then it was also something that I could envision a career in and and doing something something useful in. What would the career have been and looking back was it necessary to get a master's or is that just kind of the natural next thing? It like I, we are sort of an arty but also academic family. So I think studying was always a natural thing. University is free in Sweden for Swedes, Swedish people. So I didn't depend on getting a massive student loan like over here. Um, and uh, you even get a small student loan just to sustain yourself while you're studying. So it really means that it doesn't matter what family you're from. You can go to university in Sweden if you want to. Um, mm. So so it it was quite natural to do that. The degree was really put together to be the leaders of the IT industry in Scandinavia. So, um, you, you know, Ericsson, Nokia, Skype, all these is companies that came out of there in, in, in the 90s and, and, and onwards. And, um, and, you know, in a way, I, I've ended up working in exponential technology fields, um, not, not in, well, I worked in large companies as well. It's actually at, at Alcatel, uh, Lucent or Lucent Technologies originally uh, back in the day, but otherwise done a lot of um, yeah, early stage as well and sort mm -hmm. of very new markets. And so tell me what school was it and, and um, how did you choose? Like, what, what were you looking at? Because in the US, it's like, you know, I've got a kid in college and one that's about to go to college and every family has their, you know, limits and approaches and attitudes about it. Um, what was, who was guiding you through all of that? I think I did not have an enormous amount of guidance. Actually, I like with these decisions, I've just been very confident. Like I've knew, known and same thing when I moved to London, it was like, it was never, why is this good for my career? It's like, I'm moving to London and I moved to London. So that, that is, I can't tell you why, but those things have just sort of really had some some kind of internal drive. But what I did look at, there was actually one degree, which was um, 
uh, industrial design, um, which mm. was in at the university in the city where I grew up. And um, that one was really interesting to me, but I did not want to stay in my own city. Yeah, you wanted to my parents were. And explore. Yes. So Uppsala University um, is uh, over 600 year university in Sweden. It's where Carl von Linnaeus um, also went and so on. So uh, it's it's uh, in a, a city called Uppsala. It's, I think, a fourth uh, biggest city in Sweden, uh, just north of Stockholm. And uh, so it's a it's an old, uh, very good university. And this this degree was new. So um, it was really exciting to me with all these new subjects. And at the same time, it's an amazing student life because the university has been in the city for so long. All, all the uh, buildings are at the center of the city and uh, there's a lot of traditions and so on. And I had an absolutely amazing time there. There is also, I think it's about 30,000 students and a lot of international students and researchers. So it's like the culture is amazing. Yeah, that sounds super cool. I love learning about different countries and just the education systems. And I, I didn't realize it was free that just when I hear these things, you know, I just got back from Canada from this like women's retreat. And we had this big discussion about maternity leave. And I didn't know theirs was 18 months. And of course, we're like three months, like barely scratching. <laughs> it's yeah. just every country is so different. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, on that topic, um, also in Sweden, that there is maternity and paternity leave. Yeah, we like, can't I guess, just hand it leave, over. Yeah because all of a sudden that shifts everything because it's totally natural for for a dad to stay at home as well and then all these issues that are women's issues just become issues that need to get resolved and so i think um you know those kind of incentives actually are really important to, oh, to so shift some of the problems i've seen see, see over here yeah a hundred percent so i loved watching kind of the pattern of your career um and seeing kind of the journey that brought you to Sensate. But I'm curious about the earliest days, right out of college. Like, what was your first job out of school? And what direction were you going at that point? Mm. Yeah, so I actually, uh, my uh, project, um, I did a first sort of work, but uh, project also as sort of the end of my degree, where um, I went to Madrid uh, and uh, at a lab uh, at uh, the Polytechnical University of Madrid, uh, where I developed a 3D programming language. So it was part research project, but that was um, sort of um, a very hardcore technical. Then I moved to London and after having actually written a grammar for a programming language, mm. and um, so defined a whole grammar and coded that in a schema and then uh, programmed the interpreter into a 3D rendering engine in C, um, uh, then um, I couldn't get a programming job in London because I don't look like a programmer. <laughs> I, so uh, apparently, because this actually bumped into a couple of people that I interviewed uh, later on and, and they they said like, ah, oh, just, you know, I couldn't see you as a programmer. So I ended up getting a, um, a coordinator role and uh, very, very rapidly, I think I was promoted before six months at Lucent Technologies and then sort of very rapidly went into managing complex technical projects um, at Lucent Technologies and then shifted towards uh, the the uh, non-existing but just evolving mobile industry. So uh, yeah. it was before the iPhone and started to develop some some new and innovative applications in, in that field. And you worked for a few companies. Which one was kind of the most um, formidable as far as, um, you know, now you're creating a culture you're um, directing an entire 
you know, leadership team, your fundraising, there's so much that goes into leading a company and we all pull from different experiences. Like which, which job in your past, um, kind of prepared you most for this role? Uh, so probably the more recent ones because the, I've been more senior. So at some point, obviously I've learned from, from other people. And, uh, I think more it's, I'm very grateful to have worked both in gigantic companies and, um, and startups and everything in between, because you learn how all different aspects of the business work. Yeah. Um, so that's been extremely helpful. Also, I would probably say that, um, I also worked as an independent consultant for venture back companies and um that was that was an extremely good accelerator because I've always been fast at processing and learning but just getting methods for okay this is this new field I give I give myself a week to know what I need to know and so many of the clients that I worked with like how how do you not understand this much after one week? It's because I actually, from not doing just one business, but then I, I would go in and do projects. I developed my own methods of how right. to really learn fast and really identify what are the things I need to deeply understand in order to understand this industry, this business, this business model, this company, this culture, what's not working. So very quick. At, it's both who I am. I'm not extremely good at retaining information. Um, there are like things like I'm not extremely detail oriented. I more set myself up in the areas I need to, but that to kind of just like, what are all the different things I need to understand here from both interpersonal to assumptions, to culture, to hardcore numbers um, or technology. And so identifying that and then just like going straight in, I really developed sort of my own method to do that that worked really well for me. So those, though that way of approaching problems and learning, I think is, um, is extremely valuable. Oh, definitely. And can help you show up in such a different way as a leader, because you can draw from so many different experiences. Um, at what point did you say kind of like, I have it in me and I want to be an entrepreneur? Um, I don't know that there ever was a point. I kind of more like slipped into it. Uh, same thing as as in general, managing people has kind of just happened. I've not particularly sorted it, but it, it's just kind of happened. So it, it, I see it as very natural based on who I am um, and my extreme drive for exploring, pioneering, seeing what's next and macro trends and all of that. It's It's very natural that I would have ended up here. But it was never a decision. I think like those kind of decisions, I want to be an entrepreneur, have more to do with identity. Who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. And for me, it never came from 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 that. It's it's just such of a natural place for me to land based on based on my interests. And I mean, to be honest, like the the consulting suited me well as well because like I I got to like, succeed, fed so much learning, so much growth in so little time. I think what doesn't suit me is doing the same thing year on end. Um, that that doesn't suit right. my personality mm-hmm. too mundane yeah totally so tell me about sensate like how how did you come up with the name and um tell me about your co-founder stefan how did you meet yeah so uh name uh predecedes me uh, so stefan uh smelik uh wonderful human being 
uh, was the founder of the New Medicine Group in Holly Street, London. So a very prominent and leading integrated healthcare clinic. And um, I knew of the clinic long before we were introduced. It was, it's, I was living in London at the time. It's very well known. And um, we were introduced by several people. It was this thing where like, he's like, who is this Anna Gudmundsen? I'm like, why are people introducing me to this Stefan guy? And um, I was uh, I was actually uh, selling a public company at the time. Um, so I was very stressed and um, said like, hey, you know, I think you're an amazing person. Let me see if I can help you. Uh, maybe take an advisory role, but I really don't have much time right now. So fast forward, uh, there were two reasons, both because I wanted to help him. And I think, you know, he is a practitioner. So in terms yeah. of business and scaling a tech company or any of that, right? So I could see that he needed help. Um, and then uh, I thought I was interested uh, interested in the product mainly from my geekiness, because I do think that we're entering a paradigm of really understanding reality as vibration. Again, the alien, <laughs> the geeky <laughs> side of me. And so I'm interested in real life applications of that. So it was more, well, you know, I, I didn't particularly see this as potentially uh, a global, um, you know, global brand uh, company that is going to change millions of lives. But then I got to help him on an advisory plus a little contracting basis on the side to get the first product to market and um, was, and I got to test both uh, commercial viability and then I was absolutely blown away by the usage numbers and retention, because that's actually something I didn't expect. And I've worked in wellness tech and fitness tech. And the challenging thing, and I love, again, I like I love humans, <laughs> but it's also kind of understanding and have humility for where most of us are at. As a population, we're, we're generally away from driven. It means that we avoid pain instead of striving towards goals. Yes. And it's a small percentage of us that, that like are driven towards making better, making the world better, making ourselves better. It's generally, it's kind of, I just want to avoid pain and yeah, the away from drivers, the sort of painkiller. And it's very difficult to get people to change behaviors. So I'm used to having, you know, evolved through the whole mobile era with all the, you know, gamification and habit creating features and all of these things. And you still in habit changing when it comes to wellness looking after yourself meditation uh fitness programs diets all of that you get single digit retention you know it's like the vast majority uh within 30 days are gone and um there's a small percentage that make it through and actually create any sustainable change at all so i was used to that and uh looked at our 90 day retention for that first batch that we've sold um sold online and I'm like, yeah, guys, uh, the, the retention numbers are 10x normal. You know, there's something wrong with the numbers. Uh, you got to fix how we're tracking data. And, <laughs> and lo and behold, that was not the case. Um, it was uh, the I'd never seen anything like it. And I really realized that this could change uh, millions of lives. And this is a problem that is mainly unresolved. People are stressed and anxious. It's causing us all sorts of physical disease. Um, it also makes us not conscious beings when we activate the stress response we actually disconnect the prefrontal cortex or suppress the connection for in order to survive and that is our conscious mind our empathy our problem solving our executive functions all of that so with a population that's constantly stressed where we i mean like we our systems don't function we are not looking after each other we're you know bullying our neighbors instead of helping our neighbors oh, and, yeah. and, and so that was um you know 
really, really important driver for me as well. And and I went on to take a board director role. And then I went on to um, co-found the company. Uh, actually, it took several months until I agreed to take the CEO role. Uh, but then I really knew what I was getting into. Yeah. Well, it's almost like you had proof of concept. It's like the perfect, perfect scenario. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like high risk, but not so crazy high risk because it's you've already gotten to see that there's some traction. Yep. What was the go-to-market strategy at that point and how has it changed over time? So I was, again, initially really just interested in testing and getting viable data. And uh, so I think what a lot of companies do because they, their main thing is like, I just need to validate that this product works because I want to know that the product works. Whereas I'm like, I want to know if the product doesn't work because then you know we should really position this as a niche product or whatever. So. Um, we sold primarily uh, with uh, broad messaging on Facebook and could really see that we were able to sell the product that way. Mm -hmm. uh, consequently, uh, I also wanted to see that that was scalable. Uh, it is not the easiest, shortest route, but it's the one that's going to matter. So I personally wanted to know if this isn't going to be a mass market product. I don't want to waste my time and I don't want to waste other people's money. So if this is a small product for specialized clinics, then let's find out and let's choose a different funding strategy, a different go-to-market strategy. But I want to know, is this going to save us from stress and anxiety? So I'm going to test the hard route. But then actually, we've been really successful in that. So we have done a lot of paid search, paid social, but now we also start to have a lot of partners and we're on a whole bunch of online retailers. We sell direct on our website, uh, but we also do have a whole bunch of um, smaller practitioners and, and clinics that are using the product in combination with uh, with other um, interventions. Um, and that it goes anything from a cancer clinic using it to um, IBS to whatnot. And the, the common denominator there is it's extremely hard to heal from almost anything if we can't calm the autonomic nervous system. If we continuously activate the stress response, we suppress the immune system. So no matter what else you're doing, if you're suppressing your immune system and also actually activate the stress response also suppresses digestion. If we're trying to heal from IBS or any other issues, it's gonna, it's gonna just make it very difficult. And so a lot of practitioners are finding that including Sensate that their patients or clients can use at home between visits or in combination with their interventions make their interventions more uh, higher, better outcome. And, and more successful. And do you have any um, like B2B to C or is it just straight B2C? And if people want to get it, they're just like consumers listening. Is it just getsensate.com? Um, yes. Yeah, so getsensate.com. We're on Amazon. We're in Walmart. Um, uh, we're in Spree. Um, where else? Uh, and can you ship yeah. anywhere? We ship to a lot of countries. And again, that's actually been the strategy that we try to ship to as many places as possible. If it doesn't work because of customs or it doesn't get there and so on, we close down those countries. But we've taken the approach of if people are finding us and want to buy it, let's uh, let's allow that uh, so we yeah. can serve as many as possible. But we're from a marketing perspective, uh, US is a largest market and really the, the, the prime focus for our, our marketing. Uh, UK is also uh, pretty big, but we do try to deliver product to as many countries as we can. That's amazing. And so tell me a little bit more about the device. Obviously you're at the very forefront of, um, you know, wellness, I guess, would you say you're in the wellness space? Yeah. Wellness tech. Yes. Absolutely. Wellness tech. Yeah. Um, 
A uh, couple questions. One, do you have competitors? Um, two, how much does the device cost? And then I want to get into kind of specifically the science and kind of what it does to our brains and our bodies. Okay, great. Yeah, like uh, the product uh, is, uh, so it's a device and you get uh, a number of sessions for free. I think 15, that you can use as many as possible, as many as you like, times as you like for forever. Um, and um, and then there is also a subscription that, because we have a very frequent user base. So they also typically get the plus subscription, which is 49 per year right now. And uh, the, as I mentioned, product is 299. So uh, competitors, great question. So actually we call them family. So here's the deal. It's very much relating to our culture as well. Collaboration over competition. Uh, it is an abundant market. There is absolutely no need for us to elbow around us in a small pond. This is a massive ocean. Everyone is stressed and anxious and people will need and prefer different tools. There are some people that are somewhere on the level where they're seeking ascension in this lifetime. There are some people that are clinically depressed. We're not really for either of them, but for a lot of people in between. And then there are preferences. I mean, there are people that find, you know, potentially other products uh, are more suitable for them. I feel very confident about Sensei based on what we're seeing, both through research and more, most importantly, if it wasn't working, it's extremely difficult to get people to change behaviors in this field. If it wasn't working, people would do it. So um, we, uh, and, and also just if people aren't feeling genuinely some relief or stress from using the product, they don't come back to using it. So that's, that's uh, giving a lot of confidence in what I wanted to see, because you can have a lot of products that do great in lab environments, but people right. don't use it at home. And if people are using it at home, use it at home it has zero effect on anyone, on society, on them or their families, right? So that was like the one thing as well I wanted to um, to validate. Yeah. And then, you know, there's also there, there are more sort of um, uh, vagus nerve stimulation devices in the medical space that are um, FDA regulated. They're not wellness products, they're health products. And it's not really competition. And then we have a whole bunch of biohack products as well. Um, Happy Apollo, um, uh, what did we... Uh, a, a muse band you know this is like a lot of different products that i see often complementary like we have mm. people that have a muse band and send us their readings but i think there's something about the simplicity of sensate and that it really works for people and i think it's because we're tapping into something that the body does anyway and that we've done for thousands of years which is getting low frequency vibration into the chest area the reason we om in yoga is to tone the vagus nerve that's what it's for so, uh, you know, like this is this is not new. We're just activating something that is natural to the body. Infrasonic waves is like cat purr, cat purr is infrasonic waves. So it's like mm -hmm. buying your own cat purr device. For I humans, love that. Right? But yeah, like or when you just, you know, that feeling of, yeah, complete relaxation, comfort, ease, and kind of almost going into a completely different state. So how does the science of it work? So you place the little pebble on your sternum, the chest mm -hmm. bone, and you put on your own headphones and then you just open the app, turn on the Sensate pebble and it connects automatically and you start a session within the app. What then happens is that you'll hear sound, it's like music coming through the ears and you will actually feel the purr. But this is uh, infrasonic waves. It's not vibration, like in a vibrator or something like that. It's uh, it's it's an infrasonic waves, but you'll feel them. 
and some people feel it like really vibrating through the whole body for some people it's uh, it's not but it does go through your body because that's that's the magic of sonic waves it's energy mm. that travels through matter so um uh, what's also interesting is and so again it's, it's kind of like alming right the vagus nerve now we're doing this with a hypothesis of toning the vagus nerve because again that's what the tradition is for but uh, we haven't put a test where we've put a little device onto the vagus nerve and showed that that's what's happening but like i think everyone knows that that's how things work right but anyway <laughs> not making claims yeah. uh, but again we've been doing this for thousands of years and i think like a lot of people recognize um, that as a sort of no-brainer um but anyway we have so we have the the, the infrasonic uh, frequencies in the chest area and the sound and they're also harmonized and so again going back to now we look at things like semantics, we look at the patterns and and also I've studied signal processing and just like mm. what happens with with like um, when you send signals in and frequencies in harmony and and or dissonance, right? And you can look at that on a cellular level. We have, we know, for example, from um, Hallward Medicine using ultrasound, which is also sonic waves, but how heart cells self-organize into beautiful patterns based on what frequencies you set. And so this is, this is like, um, um, in a way, just opening up a whole bunch of things that were already there and the body is built this the chest there is already built to create resonance that's obviously what oppressing is used to uh, create projection and yes. with arming we have to learn to get the frequency down into the chest so we get this um, and i've actually tried i've done it in group for an hour and really practicing to get the the vibration into the chest area and you feel euphoric euphoric it's 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 like also i cannot big, i yeah. literally cannot wait to try it so are you targeting um i guess all ages all genders absolutely and it's been very deliberate um i think it would have been disappointing to me if we had tested and found out that like um white yoga women were the best group because that would have been very boring and i'm saying that because i'm one of them but um i don't care about <laughs> my own demographic uh it was like no we, i wanted this um, to be much wider and be really applicable and also be applicable for people that don't already have these practices. Mm -hmm. If you already know how to meditate and you're doing yoga, you have some way to self-regulate. The right. vast majority of the population have no way to self-regulate. So it was very exciting to see that both in uh, research in terms of um, consumer customer exploration, larger questionnaires, all of those, but also from even marketing data, that yeah. we're actually attracting that the, the the best performing audience is white so we are oh, really reaching people of uh genders ages we skew slightly older um on consumer tech so we're not attracting so many teenagers but we have a lot of teenagers that are using it because their parents bought it their for them so i think it, it's yeah. more about like the, the purchase decisions and and price and things like that but yeah we have almost 50 50 men and women which is also very exciting and uh yeah really people from all walks of life I think, I think you could like positively impact. This is really a game changing product because you could change like so many things, addiction and mm -hmm. obesity. Like think about people when they're all the, all the stress and all of the um, diseases that are linked to high cortisol. Yeah. 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 Now stress, stress is a killer for sure. I think we know that's uh, sitting still and stress. Yeah. Uh, there, there are a lot of things, but that's uh you know, it is, um, it is absolutely crucially, um, important. So I think, um, the, um, mm, I lost my thread. 
That's okay. That's okay. Well, I was asking, I was asking more about um, like why people would have returned it. And you're just saying like in the beginning, it was more of the kind of product issues, but now that you've kind of solved those, are there people who just say really great product? I just am not disciplined enough to do it every day, or I kind of stare at it, but don't actually do it. Yeah. So, so, okay. So covered like, okay, onboarding needs to be better. Some people don't actually understand how to use it and send it back. Uh, not that many, but it happens. We need to fix that. And um, and then if people have actually tried and used it, they typically don't return it because if it worked for them when they had stress and then they're two weeks, coming two weeks, they have no stress. That's fine. What we're finding is that just knowing that I have something at home that will help me when I feel stressed mm-hmm. is a huge value. And so what's very important from a selling perspective and what you were talking about here with all these different gadgets Everyone in marketing knows the difference between a painkiller and a vitamin. And exactly. So this is mainly a painkiller, right? Yes. But it's also a vitamin. So we also had the longevity people, the entrepreneurs, the um all the optimizers, health optimizers, biohackers, all of that. They use the product for optimize and they will have this thing. I need to remember to use my sunshade because they're actually not stressed. Whereas the vast majority of our users use it because they really need it. And, and that's that that is actually the core of our users. Now, you and I, um, of course, we have stress, we might feel anxious sometimes and sleep, whatnot. So the use case you were talking about is my use case. And it's not what I recommend, but it's literally how do I get more work done in a day, which is not what I recommend for people. But I also I hit a wall in the afternoons. And that's where yeah, it's just it's crazy. Easy. Yeah, it's easy to, you know, grab another coffee or hundred percent or or whatnot so um and um and then or or some sugar what is it and i've really learned that um a sensitive session is the thing that works for me if i sleep i lose too much time and for again you know like if you actually if i actually fall asleep i'm i'm gone and that's that's um, me that's exactly me and I can't meditate because no surprise. I'm in the middle of my workday. I have so many follow-ups, threads, processes going in my head. I'm not able to get into a meditative state if I have a half an hour break. So in that half an hour, instead I do a sunset session. If I'm sleep deprived, I will sit with the lanyard. If I'm not sleep deprived, I will lie down. I have my favorite sessions that are uh, so a forest and sunrise are the ones that I personally do when I don't want to fall asleep. And they're both like just 10 minutes. And mm-hmm. uh, it's almost so is like, it just, is it music? Yes, it's the, it's the, it's the sessions. They are between 10 and 30 minutes and you can choose okay. whichever one you want. And how many options are there? Um, so there are 15 free and then I don't know how many are in the plus subscription at this point, probably 30 or something. Yeah. Um, so, um, and it, you can use them. Some people l- love to use, especially for sleeping, the same one every night. So before sleeping, so that's very common as well. The people have their favorite um, sleeping uh, session that they do before sleeping every every night. And for me, what's interesting is that, you know, I have all these things going on, but I do a sensitive session. It's almost like the thoughts just go into the background like some background noise and then I get this nervous system relaxation and I come out of it and of course you know you're 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 taken down the pace right so your heart rate is lowered all of that so you are relaxed when you come out of it it only takes a few minutes and I will have more focus I will not grab that extra coffee and um so I'm very much noticing the difference in my ability to then um you know have focus and and feel good and like yeah. enjoy working and you know long hours i'm, as I do. I'm so excited to, to uh to try it okay so how did you end up funding the business and how much did you raise and like what stage 
uh, are you at right now as far as your growth and, and fundraising? Yeah, so we're just closing around. If there are any any conscious entrepreneurs and intro people are interested in this field, I would love to talk. Um, and prior to this round, we've only raised a total of six point four million, and that's with over thirteen million in total revenues to date. So the ratio, which is a great ratio to have one to one, we actually have two to one in terms of twice as much in revenues than we raised to date. So we've been able to turn that uh, that investment into a lot of traction, a lot of revenues. Um, and, um, and yeah, we will finish this round and do the last require to get the profit as a scale round next. And then any futures would be strategic, any acquisitions or anything like that, but we're, we're actually getting there. That's exciting. And so do you have patents on the technology? Yes, we do. Uh, we have uh, granted patents. There's a couple of regions we're still pending, uh, which covers the whole that the the, the the harmonization the synchronization the device on the chest area um and also actually a couple of future features that's amazing and so um i also read that the the i'm kind of bouncing around here but um that's how my brain works and i think that's how yours works too so this is good <laughs> we're both like Diddly. um i read that the device activates the parasympathetic nervous system but also can help lower blood pressure and improve heart rate variability. And so for people, is there anyone that shouldn't use this? Like if you do have high blood pressure or you have had a stroke or something, are you not a potential customer or can anyone use it? So first of all, we don't actually make any medical claims at all. I think, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that have used the product and also writing and telling other people about it for particular things, apparently, including long COVID and POTS. We have like made no claims, no testing, no research in that field whatsoever. Um, and also we always recommend, you know, check with your doctor. There's also an aspect where this is, um, you know, infrasonic waves, subaudible frequencies, even Bach um, actually uh, compo has composed some of his uh, cathedral music with subaudible mm. frequencies. So some of the big organs have subaudible frequencies because you you get the sense of awe when you're sitting in church and you feel like no, you've been totally. touched by higher spirits. Um, yes. And you know that's that's uh, you know infrasonic waves. So uh, you know it's very natural to the body. So it's hard to to see you know that it would have um, any negative effects. My co-founder Stefan will note down any effect that anyone ever reports. Uh, but it, there's no consistency. So obviously when you do come into your body which is so important in order to um, reduce stress and anxiety. And it's something that I think we should be very careful as well as we start you know, developing a lot of AR and VR that actually the route to healing is coming into our bodies, not getting out of our bodies. Um, so like it's a very, very important point. I think we can, we can feel better for a moment, but in order to actually uh, consistently feel better, we have to come into our bodies. And then sometimes we do notice sensations that we didn't before. Um, so those can also be, uh, you know, reasons uh, that people would report something but extremely low percentage of reported of any negative features uh, or uh, consequences whatsoever yeah well it's such an incredibly dynamic and exciting time and the field seems like it's completely booming um where do you see the industry going like um and the, i guess just the role of technology as far as improving mental health Yes, um, I think uh, where we're at today, technology has to play a role. There is no healthcare system on the planet that can on its own 
uh, pay for and handle all the anxiety and stress that we're seeing. And it is causing so much physical illness and disease. So we need to use technology as I think it's intended, which is it's, technology is just an amplifier or an accelerator. And having worked in technology my entire career, it's accelerated markets, it's accelerated communication, it's also accelerated some bullying, it's accelerated, I mean, so that it's just bringing consciousness to how we develop things. And I feel that is one thing where sometimes as well, there's been a bit narrow sightedness, like we, you know, I live in San Francisco and I work with other, you know, entrepreneurs and VCs and techies and think that that's the whole world and we roll it out and it's like, oops, everyone's using this in a different way than I intended and maybe that's not helpful. Like we need to understand a little bit more psychology and humans and social psychology and really like care and think about all the different consequences. And um, there's always going to be impact uh, of various sorts. But for me, I'm very passionate about technology and I think it's absolutely possible to, to use it for good. Uh, there's a lot of hap things happening in this field, but also if you look at just the market of, um, what should I say, emotional, mental, mental uh, wellness and health, we've, uh, like some decades ago, we didn't have fitness industries. It's hard to remember, right? We were a multi -billion dollar as we worked, now. right? Yes. Yeah, naturally. And then all of a sudden we started to just sit and work. And now we have all these gigantic companies in an, an enormous industry. And this is happening right now. And it was really accelerated with the pandemic. So from a market perspective, also, I am again in an exponentially growing field. Um, but I also feel now really working with something that is genuinely helping people. And I feel uh, will uh, meet an incredibly large need. Yeah, there's going to be a huge demand. So tell me just a couple of questions about the actual company. Um, tell me a little bit about the employee base. How's the culture? What's it like to work there? Great. So um, we're, uh, we have sort of three hubs. We're a remote team. We were remote first already. So we just had hot desks. And then during the pandemic, we went full remote. Uh, we complement that with a lot of deliberate connection. So, you know, we start all our old hands with a short breathwork or meditation together. We do share very vulnerably. We have a, I think there's this, you know, I've had comments as well, even from contractors that work with us, which is like, you know, feel touched by working with you guys and just the sort of uh, the humanness. And I think, um, you know, collaboration is a, is a very important topic of ours. Also transparency. We have a, a very flat and collaborative um, culture. And again, I, like, I, I don't, I don't see or call myself a leader. I am just one of the, cogs uh, or one of the nodes in a network like we all have different roles and we fill different purposes and um uh, also we're not a um, secret services organization so i think the risks with to be over transparent are you know not are not big enough to not then share a lot of information so that we all can collaborate it's not controlling as, as little gatekeeping as possible um, I think we also strive to have diversity in our team in terms of uh, all aspects, <laughs> way of thinking, et cetera. And I actually encourage debating. I think it's uh, it's also something that I find, um, having lived in six countries uh, in the U.S., that um, we're a little afraid of debating, a little afraid of yeah. having different opinions, you know? Well, especially, especially West Coast is even more so. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So I find that is extremely important. That's how you get things to improve. And uh, to then not take it personally. It's just like, 
oh yeah let's let's like really drill into this like okay yeah and we learn from that so when that mm-hmm. goes, all of, when people feel safe that okay you know i can have a different opinion and we can you know see things in a different way and i get heard and then as a team we made this connection then then you know it doesn't become threatening anymore it's not about yes. um, okay i think different and therefore i'm less worth and worthy in the team uh, so I think those are are things that are very important. We have a U.S. hub as a headquarter. We have um, R an R and D little R and D hub in in um, in Europe in terms of um, CTO and my co-founder, um, a couple of other people, and then we have an amazing team as well in Argentina. So those are sort of That's the great. three main hubs. And how big is the company right now? Like how many people do you have, and where are you um, going as far as growth and and also kind of just overall, where do you see the company going? Yeah, so we are a hybrid team and having worked my entire career in fast growing tech has been very common to me to develop. It's like some are in-house, some are out of house, some are full-time, some are part-time. So, so but I tend, tend to still retain people, even if people are working, coming in and out on a project basis, it's like pretty much the same people. So very good, very high um return or retention um when uh, you know even when it's part-time or contract-based we are um about uh so we're 17 people and again it's like how do i count like where do i cut off you see right I mean? because some you've got like, contractors and part-time yeah, people yeah, yeah. and yeah and and this is this is this is so okay. that's incredible though yeah. that's a small team for the impact that you've had mm, thank you um that's amazing that's really, really cool. And so I'm guessing that you're working your ass off. How do you, ba- how do you personally, you know, balance with your own self-care outside of using the device? Yeah. Um, it's been a journey. I've been near burnout in two previous jobs. So, um, I've been on my journey there and learned a lot. And uh, I was actually sick as well for a few years. Um, I was still working, but I, I had extremely low energy and deteriorating health. I was saved by functional med- functional medicine, so I'm I'm infinitely grateful for functional medicine. Um, and um, and so I really learned to get into my body. And I think now I actually have I feel when I burn adrenaline. So I feel when I'm I'm as you can notice I'm really high energy and like you know love my job and whatnot. So mm-hmm. but when I put like I know okay I'm actually tired I need to take a break right now. I typically do it if it's something that there's a deadline I need to get this out. I'm like okay I'm gonna push, but then I need to compensate because I can feel I'm burning adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of tools. I have a lot of different breathwork um, practices that I can use for upregulation, downregulation, whatnot. I have Sensate, which is the kind of baseline if if i if i don't have capacity brain space or energy or focus for other practices like sense it always works so that's great uh, movement i have to exercise um recently uh with like just posting up the funding it's been extremely hectic and i've not been as much as i can and i actually feel the energy reducing right so it's like getting exercise extremely important i um eat healthy i'm very I'm happy that my boyfriend and i both have healthy lifestyles um don't actually drink a lot of alcohol i have had uh, definitely in london a lot of uh, you know being out drinking cocktails and uh, going out on the weekend and things like that so it's also a stage where i don't care so much about it anymore uh, yeah. but i'm not like hyper i'm not this sort of never i mean we'll have a cocktail or a bottle of wine with dinner every now and then so it's not it's not i don't feel like nothing's too rigid, and rigid. Yeah. no it's just a it's just a level of self-care 
um, that also have come from actually going through being sick and and healing and really valuing my body and and uh, sensing into the signals and being attentive to what my body needs and and what I need. And the one thing I sometimes forget is play. And that is also an important part of life. And like, it's great for people to have small kids or, or dogs or animals, like they force you to play. Yes. Um, but like, I have to kind of remind myself, we have a dog, but I don't take a huge amount to play. No, but I, I was just listening to something and I can't, oh, oh, what was it? I think it might've been Mel Robbins podcast. Mm. Do you listen to Mel Robbins podcast? I haven't. I'm going to do it now. Oh, I know okay. her, her very that, well. Put that on your list. It's not she's, on my, yeah, it's not on she's my She's amazing. Great, but yeah. she does, um, she talked a lot about play mm. um, on one of her podcasts. And it, it is so true because especially when you're running a business, you're just in like execution and drive yeah. mode a lot. Yeah. And it's kind of like, move out of my way. I'm trying to go to a place, for a destination versus kind of the the journey and the blah, blah. You know, that makes sense. Um yeah, so we'll just and blast our music and we can think of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and have no, a dance it, party. Exactly, but there are other two sides, right? It's like, because you also need to have the luck and the flow and yes. the inspiration and like, where do thoughts come from? We have to ask ourselves, I'm sitting at my desk and something goes, ah, I should call that person. If I'm just in a lockdown, rigid, working, banging out, I don't, I don't hear that. I don't totally. hear feel like, oh, you should reach out to this person. So play and space and meditation optimizes that which actually gives access to a bigger intelligence. Yes, Whether and that creativity is full... for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great idea. Oh, this is, this is fun. I love talking to you. My final question is what fuels you? I think I'm deeply driven by a better future. I like solving big problems. I love macro so again, like I'm not, I'm not so much a grassroots person. Like I'm really like, I want to solve big macro problems. And I'd, I would be a person that could take on an audacious 10 year type of goal if I, that was the thing. Um, so, and then from an internal perspective, it's growth. The personal growth makes every aspect of my life better with every step forward I take. And so that I can't think of anything that's more meaningful because then I have more capacity for other people. I have more forgiveness. I have more fun. I have more generosity. I have more space. So it's like that, that the growth and that what I'm doing actually leaves a better world behind. And it's not for legacy. I don't need a stone or a building with my name on. It's totally innately driven just knowing um you know when i die at the age of 120 that i feel good about it you know thank you for listening to the what fuels you podcast be sure to subscribe rate and review on itunes google podcasts or spotify and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes you can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You.